God, we thank you today for the gift of life, the gift of this church, the gift of one another. Over and above all else, God, we are grateful today for your gift of grace that has been offered to us in the person and through the work of Jesus. We also thank you for your word today, Lord God. It is life-giving, and it is life-changing. And so we pray now that by the power and with the persuasion that can only come from your Holy Spirit, you would open our hearts and you would open our minds to receive its message. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, today uh, we are continuing on in uh, this series from Immerse. Uh, This journey that we've been on as a church doing Immerse, uh, the Bible reading experience. And and if you're part of it, you know this. Immerse is a very unique way for us to engage and read God's Word. We're being encouraged to to read big. That is to follow the larger uh, narrative and thread of, of God's story through the Scripture. We're being encouraged to read real. That is to ask those honest, difficult questions that we don't have answers to or that we struggle with that emerge as we read the text. And we're being encouraged to read together. Uh, That is to to engage in guided conversations uh, what we are reading in a small group uh, Bible study. Uh, We are in the third of six volumes in Immerse entitled Kingdoms. And Kingdoms, it presents the story of Israel from its conquest of Canaan in the book of Joshua, through its struggle to settle the land in the books of Judges and Ruth, the establishment of for us in Samuel Kings, uh, the nation of Israel that is commissioned by God to be God's light to the nations. We read in Kingdoms, falls into division, and then foreign conquest for rejecting God's rule in their lives. This is kingdom, this is what we've been reading. Uh, in the Immersed Kingdoms Week 5 reading plan, I'll just let you know that David's kingdom is on the brink of disaster. And we've witnessed as we've been reading these weeks David's abuse of power with Bathsheba, uh, David's abuse of power as relates to Uriah, And now in week five, we begin to see insurrection from David's sons, several attempted coups, famine, and war. And yet in spite of all this, David's dynasty survives. Uh, You see, David, in spite of all of his human flaws, never mistakes himself for Israel's true leader, And that is God. And we see that when we read about David. All these flaws, and yet yet God is still on the throne for David. And and that that thread is woven throughout his life. Really, David's story is our story, and David's story is the Bible story. Because the Bible is essentially a story of God redeeming broken people. And David is no exception. This morning, really in part in light of of 
of some of the events going on uh, just in the life of our church these days, I, I really uh, became quite focused in, in a character who, who's described in the Immerse Week 5 reading plan. And, and this is kind of an obscure character. His name is Beniah. And he's even easily overlooked. After all, there are only just a few short verses uh, of Scripture written about him. He's listed among uh, David's so-called mighty men. Uh, you see, before David was anointed king of Israel, he was hunted and, and chased after by jealous King Saul. And so during this time, as a fugitive, David built this fighting force around him of several hundred. Among the warriors were several elite groups referred to in the Bible as the three or the, or the thirty. Most came from the tribes of Judah and Benjamin, Benjamin some others uh, from other tribes in Israel. There were some uh, in his elite fighting force who came from foreign nations. Some were related to David. Others were social outcasts. But they all shared this one trait in common, their, their devotion to David. Their devotion to David. Uh, their individual and their combined military achievements made them famous. And so Benaiah's story, it's short, recorded for us in this week's reading plan, 2 Samuel chapter 23, verses 20 to 23. And I, I want to warn you, Benaiah was a warrior, and this text describes several of his battles in graphic detail. And so we read, Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, was a valiant, a, a valiant fighter from Kabzeel who performed great exploits. He struck down two of Moab's best men. He also went down into a pit on a snowy day and killed a lion. And he struck down a huge Egyptian Although the Egyptian had a spear in his hand, Benaiah went against him with a club. He snatched the spear from the Egyptian's hand and killed him with his own spear. Such were the exploits of Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada. He, too, was as famous as the three mighty warriors. He was held in greater honor than any of the thirty, but he was not included among the three. And David put him in charge of his bodyguard. And so a few facts about Benaiah. He was essentially one of the top five soldiers in all of Israel. As we read, he was held in greater honor than any of the 30. And he was a commander in the Israeli army. Every third month, Benaiah was put in charge of some 24,000 Israeli soldiers. He was responsible to develop a, a military strategy to use with the troops to protect Israel. And as we've learned in our text today, he was the captain of King David's bodyguard. Benaiah was responsible for recruiting and for and training the best of the best to protect David. And so just how did Benaiah end up in all these important military and security positions of leadership. And the scripture we read answers because he performed great exploits. 
And of all the exploits mentioned, I want to focus in on the second half of 2 Samuel, chapter 23, verse 20. He also went down into a pit on a snowy day and killed a lion. Pardon my slang and my boyish fascination with this verse, but the dude killed a lion. Think about the detail given to us in the scripture. He went down into a pit on a snowy day. This incident is occurring long before REI came out with high-tech gripping soles. Benaiah would have been wearing something along the lines of leather sandals, little or no traction, on a slippery slope, the only entrance and exit of a pit containing a lion. Why does he go down into a pit on a snowy day to kill a lion? We don't really know. Uh, Perhaps he's following an order from some commanding officer at the time. Perhaps the lion had killed or or, or injured a person and and this this creature posed a threat to the community. Um, Those of you who know me that my very biased, jaded, twisted opinion is that he disliked cats. (laughs) Let's put ourselves this morning into Benaiah's slippery sold sandals. Imagine intentionally pursuing a lion, one of God's most powerful, agile, carnivorous creations, down into a pit on a snowy day. What do we feel as we think about this? Maybe, maybe the snowflakes kind of touching and falling on our skin. Maybe you feel the, the butterflies beginning to churn in the stomach? What do we see as we're approaching the pit? What do we hear as we're descending down into the pit? One bite from the lion could easily crush Benaiah's skull. One swipe of the clawed paw could literally tear him into pieces. And yet somehow some way, somehow, some way, Benaiah kills the lion. And I just want to state the very obvious this morning. Benaiah is not normal. Normal people don't do that. Normal people do not follow a lion down into a pit on a snowy day. Normal people do not face a fearful situation like this Normal people do not chase lions and win. Normal people try to avoid risky, frightening situations. Normal people run away from the roar, not toward it. The longer... I follow Jesus, the more I'm discovering it is anything but normal. Being a disciple of Jesus Christ means learning to live a life of deep faith and sacrifice and humility, all in the name of God's love. 
by God's grace, through faith in Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit, may we all become a little bit more like Benaiah, going head to head, conquering the fear that is paralyzing us, taking the faith risk that God desires to honor. The question emerging from Benaiah's story is this. What lion do we need to chase? Please don't misunderstand me. I'm not asking us to go to Woodland Park Zoo this afternoon and ask for directions to the lion exhibit and maneuver through security barriers and begin chasing a lion. I'm not asking you to chase after Megan or John or Jack or Max or Allie after worship. What lion do we need to chase? What fear is God calling us to chase? To face on, head on, and by God's grace alone, conquer it. So that we can experience the blessing of God's power and God's provision. There is a lion I need to chase in this particular season of life and ministry. And it may sound small to you, but it looms large in my heart and in my mind. I put more trust in money than I do God. Now, please understand, as a family, we've chosen to honor God by returning the tithe, and that's been a good step of faith. I also want to say that it's important not to be foolish stewards, but to be wise stewards. But I'm speaking about something a little deeper, because my very natural tendency is to want to gather money and store it up. And when I have more, I feel more secure. And when I have less, I feel less secure. This is a modern-day idol for me. And it often paralyzes me with fear. And so as I look to the next season of life and ministry, this is the lion God is calling me to chase. What lion do we need to chase? Uh, Pastor Mark Batterson wrote a book entitled In a Pit with a Lion on a Snowy Day. He writes, as believers, we should be lion chasers. We should not be satisfied with the status quo. If we are followers of Jesus, that means he is leading us places. That, he, that means he's stretching us. That means he's calling us to do things that we could not do on our own. That means we must break thresholds of fear, that we must conquer them, and we must grow spiritually, and our faith must expand. But the only way our faith ever expands is if we use our faith and see our God to be faithful. What lion 
do you need to chase? A couple of comments this morning about lion chasers. Lion chasers know that the bigger their God, the smaller the lions become. Oftentimes, we so narrowly focus our attention and our gaze on the lion, and we neglect to focus our attention and our gaze upon God. And when we look only at the lion, we become so easily paralyzed with fear. After all, lions are powerful, agile, and carnivorous. And when we look at a lion by itself, it looks big. But when we fix our attention and our gaze upon God, the lion looks small in comparison. Lion chasers know the bigger their God, the smaller the lion becomes. And whenever we're talking about lions in the Bible, I cannot help but think of the Old Testament character, Daniel, who through his own life experience came to understand this principle like no other. In the Old Testament book of Daniel, we read that King Darius, who is ruling the Persian Empire, uh, is deceived into issuing a decree that anyone who prays to any god or any person besides Darius will be thrown into the lion's den. Daniel disobeys the decree, continuing to pray to God three times a day. And eventually Daniel is caught and Daniel is thrown into the lion's den. And through this experience, becomes a first-hand witness to see who is bigger, God or lion. And Scripture informs us King Darius, who had actually become close to Daniel, is concerned about the fate of Daniel. At dawn, we read that he gets up and he hurries and worries and hurries to the lion's den and he calls out in an anguished voice, Daniel, servant of the living God, Has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to rescue you from the lions? And Daniel answers, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel, and he shut the mouths of the lions. Lion chasers know the bigger their God, the smaller the lion becomes. Our brother in Christ, Daniel, who serves as the pastor of Agape Myanmar Mission Church, lives beautifully and powerfully into his namesake, Daniel. In recent months, the church and the preschool which he leads uh, were on the very verge of being shut down completely due to a loud and vicious complaint of a government official, like a roaring lion. Rather than focusing attention on the fear And on that particular government official, Daniel and the church members and the staff of the preschool focused their attention on God through prayer. And Daniel also enlisted us here at Cedar Creek Covenant Church to focus on God through prayer. You see, lion chasers know the bigger their God, the smaller the lion becomes. And I think with an incredible risk of faith, Pastor Daniel went over and above that government official and appealed the complaint to that government official's superior, which could have had even more dire consequences for the church and the preschool. 
I'll also let you know that shortly after lodging this vicious, loud complaint against the church and preschool, this government official was actually seriously injured in a car accident. Daniel went to the hospital, went directly to the hospital, right down into the pit, face to face with this government official and shared the love of God in Christ with him, shared the gospel with him, and prayed for his healing. We might say Daniel ran to the roar. Ultimately, the complaint was dismissed. The church and the preschool continued to function, and not just function, but flourish to this day. Lion chasers like Pastor Daniel know that the bigger their God, the smaller the lion becomes. The next comment to make about lion chasers today, lion chasers understand that playing it safe is a risk. And I quote this morning from Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, and without faith it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Without taking a step of faith in obedience to God's leading so that our action demonstrates that we believe in God so that God has the opportunity to provide in ways we could have never provided for ourselves without a step of faith like this, Scripture declares it is impossible to please God. Lion chasers understand playing it safe is risky. Now many equate faith with risk. That is, to take a step of faith means to take a risk, and in many ways, uh, in many respects, this is correct. There's no such thing as a risk-free faith. We so often desire to play it safe and secure. We desire, I think naturally, our natural desire is to increase personal security and decrease risk. And faith often drives us to do the opposite, to decrease personal security and to increase risk. Look at Beniah. Had he not chased the lion into a pit on a snowy day, he would have increased personal security and decreased risk. But it would have come at a significant faith cost. He would have never faced, and by God's grace alone and God's power and God's provision conquered the lion. And in the same way, if we do not chase the lion, if we do not ever face the fear, we will be conquered by it. And it will come at a faith cost, missing the opportunity for us to experience by God's grace alone power and provision to give us the victory. The greatest spiritual victories in our life are on the other side 
of steps of faith that we take. Lion chasers understand playing it safe is risky. And so Benaiah felt the fear. Felt the fear. No one could follow a lion down into a pit on a snowy day and not feel fear. In the same way, we feel the fear as we consider following God's call to chase a lion. And so we feel the fear. And so there is a lion out there. Feel the fear and take a step of faith anyway. Amen. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your encouraging and challenging word to us this morning through the example of Benaiah. And God, I pray that that your word to us this morning would fall on open hearts and minds. God, we continue on in our worship of you now by returning an offering. And with this act of worship, we are declaring all that we have and all that we are. It's all a gift from you. So we return a portion to you now. We pray that you would receive these gifts, that you would bless them and use them. We pray your kingdom continue to come and your will continue to be done here on earth as it is in heaven. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.